My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell went whining and crying to Alex Jones this week about his company allegedly collapsing because banks have decided to either completely cut his credit or cut it down to a point where it's not even really useful for a man trying to run a multi-million dollar pillow empire. Here is what Mike Lindell told Alex Jones this week. And of course, he thinks he knows what's really behind the banks turning against him. (laughs) I had vendors get very nervous and banks get very nervous about my bills. They're calling me up. I said, no, that doesn't even go into court till next year. Well, then when American Express did this two weeks ago, Alex, it's vendor after vendor I've had to meet with. They want to pull their credit lines. And he says, of course, American Express cut his credit from $1 million down to $100,000. He continues, instead of 120, you have 60 days where you're basically collapsing a whole company. So I've had to meet with individual vendor and give them peace of mind saying, hey, we're here to stay. If you do this, you do collapse us like American Express is trying to do. And they, it was just, it's just terrible, terrible attack. But it's not his fault, right? Because he also told Alex Jones that it was all because, or at least partially because Fox News made what he calls a dirty deal with Dominion voting systems to pay them roughly $800 million to settle the defamation lawsuit. Mike Lindell believes that that big settlement, when he himself is facing a lawsuit from them, is a good indication that Lindell is going to be hit for possibly hundreds of millions of dollars And they don't want their lines of credit, I guess, being used to pay off a settlement, or they don't believe he'll be able to pay them back because he won't have any money because it's all going to be used to pay off these settlements. So honestly, Mike, I don't disagree with that theory. I mean, to be real with you, I don't think that banks are looking at your looming legal problems and thinking, oh yeah, this is a guy who would give him a million dollars. Why not? No, if I were a bank and thank God I'm not, I'd be like, dude, you're not getting anything until these lawsuits are over with. Like once we know that you have financial stability, doesn't matter what you have at this moment, because next year, as you point out, you got a lot of things coming up. Once those are over with, and you can prove to us, you have financial stability. I'd be more than happy to give you some money for your stupid pillows. But until then, limp along the best you can. Lindell also, of course, went on to whine about the fact that retailers pulled his stuff off the shelves and that hurt his business. He said, even though he had previously told us that, no, my business is doing great. Even with these people pulling it off the shelves, that hasn't hurt us at all. He boasted earlier this year, like, no, we're financially great. And then he was like, we're not, but we are, but we're not. So he's really kind of ping ponged back and forth about whether or not he is or is not in financial dire straits with my pillow. But none of that matters. All that matters is what will happen to him after those defamation lawsuits finally go to trial. Like honestly, I'm kind of shocked that that it is taking this long. I mean, you know, kind of seems a little straightforward. Probably could have reduced that timeline just a little bit, but either way, Lindell's got problems and now, and more frequently, he's willing to admit that things are not good in the MyPillow kingdom.
new report from page six out at the end of this week says that Melania Trump recently renegotiated her prenuptial agreement with Donald Trump. And I'm going to read you this from the daily beast. Uh, the updated terms, which sources say involve both finances and property increase the trust set up for the couple's youngest son, Baron. It's believed to be at least the third time the couple has renegotiated their prenup. So as Donald Trump's legal problems get worse, Melania keeps going to court secretly like, Hey, um, yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, but this guy is in a lot of trouble. Um, his properties are in trouble. He's got to pay a lot in a defamation lawsuit, 5 million to E. Jean Carroll. Uh, we now got this like 250 million likely verdict that's coming against him in New York. I just want to make sure I get what's mine, right? I mean, good for you, Melania. This is probably the first time I'm ever actually going to praise you, right? Get it while you can get it because it might not be there much longer, especially based on the ruling from judge Arthur Ingeron in New York this past week. So Melania sees all these, uh, all these things coming and she's like, oh, hell no, I'm gonna get mine. Like I've (laughs) been put through the ringer with this SOB. I'm going to make sure that I'm taken care of. I'm going to make sure our kid is taken care of. Right. I mean, to her credit, Melania does seem to care about Baron, unlike Donald Trump, who only cares about money. So she's like, look, you're going to make sure this guy gets his cut of the pie, not just Eric, not just Don Jr., not just Ivanka. You know, I don't care what happens to Tiffany. Uh, you, you got Baron over here. You better put more money in his trust and uh, let's renegotiate some of these properties here, too. So there's uh, really two distinct possibilities here. Either this is happening because Melania sees the writing on the wall, knows that Trump is about to lose a lot, want to make sure she gets her cut so that when she finally is like, I've had enough, she gets what she believes she's uh, uh, entitled to for her years of suffering with the guy. I don't fault her for that at all, by the way. Uh, So a divorce could be on the horizon or this could be a shell game. And I would not put it past the Trump family to be playing with these kinds of, you know, financial assets. Like, okay, here's the thing. We'll do this. We'll put this in Melania's name before we get judgments over here. I'll move all these assets into the trust so that on these settlement cases, I can't pay out because, oh no, the money's in Barron's name over here. It's clever. It's crafty. And believe it or not, unfortunately, it happens all the time not just with wealthy individuals facing legal problems, but corporations do it constantly. They literally have a name for it. It's the Texas two-step. They go out there. They have this one entity that has all of these liabilities and also all of the cash. So they spin them apart, create a separate little shell company here, put all the liabilities over here, but keep all the cash over here. Then they're like, oh no, we can't pay you here you know, this company did all the bad things, even though it's only existed for like five days on paper, but they also have no money, so they can't pay you. So based on just what I've seen over 20 years of watching this happen, you know, in legal case after legal case, it actually seems more likely that Melania is not planning on leaving Trump, but this could be a calculated ploy by the entire Trump family to maybe shift around a couple assets here and there, put it in somebody else's name, so that when judgment comes, they can't take those properties 
because they technically will not belong to the individuals that may or may not have committed crimes. So Thursday saw the very first impeachment inquiry hearing with the House Oversight Committee into President Joseph Biden to see if that man was dealing under the table, working out all these sweetheart deals and receiving millions and millions of dollars from all of these foreign governments. And in case you were not aware, the whole entire thing went down in flames. Republicans called three witnesses and one after the other, each and every one of those witnesses told America, there's no evidence to impeach president Biden. And some of them did add the caveat yet, but they all basically told us one way or another that look, based on everything we've seen here, uh, you got nothing on the big guy. In fact, we're not seeing any kind of criminal behavior on any part of anyone that we're looking at with any of this so-called evidence. So Republicans had their opportunity, right? This was the first impeachment inquiry. You had to come out of the gate swinging for the fences, right? I'm talking home run after home run after home run with these witnesses. And instead every witness threw a bucket of ice water on their claim saying, yeah, that's not That's not real. And I want you to compare this to the start of the January 6th select committee hearings. You know, what was it like two years ago? We got those. What did they do in that first hearing for the January 6th select committee? Cause they knew they had to come out and make an immediate impact for people to care about this. And so they brought in the Capitol police officers. They told their stories of what happened that day, the horrific violence that they saw, the desecration of that Capitol building, the deaths of their colleagues. There were tears. There was anger. There was emotion. It was real and it was powerful. And from that moment on, the country was hooked on those January 6th select committee hearings. People believed in the work that they were doing. Republicans were given their opportunity to do this with the impeachment inquiry. Let's get everybody hooked. Let's get everybody to believe in what we're doing. And they struck out every time. And of course, from there, the whole thing just totally devolved. The, the Democrats were going after these witnesses, hardcore, putting up all the crazy conspiracy theories that these idiots had put on social media, printing it out, poster size, showing the world that these wackadoos are not people that should be trusted as witnesses to begin with. It was a total and complete clown show. And driving that clown car, of course, is none other than oversight committee chairman, James Comer. And now we have Republicans in the house that are growing furious with Comer and the rest of the Republican party for even putting them down this path, especially as you know, this was Thursday. Y'all had two days at that point to fund the government before we hit the shutdown. But instead you're wasting everybody's time on an impeachment inquiry that everyone, including your own members are telling you at this point is a complete and total dead end. Let me read a couple quotes. <laughs> this is from uh, Republican staffers who spoke to raw story, uh, excuse me, spoke to the messenger. 
Uh, Republican aides tell me the impeachment hearing is being overshadowed, uh, overshadowed by spending battle. A House GOP aide told me this would, this would be the biggest story in the country, but is being overshadowed. I asked another if he was paying attention. The answer, spending, spending, spending. Um, he then went on to quote another staffer who said, quote, uh, Comer and staff botched this bad. So some of the Republicans are like, no, no, no. I mean, it's, everybody's like focused on spending. So that's why nobody's paying attention to this. And then the more honest one was like, nope, this was total like F up. Everybody's screwed up. This is stupid. Why are we doing this? I don't know. Then you had Republican members of Congress. You had Republican representative Pete Sessions who said this. I think it's clearly the Democrats are trying to lead us away from the purpose of this hearing. And that purpose was gaining other people's perspective about the use of the inquiry. Uh, today, there, there's not that direct link you know, to Biden and crime. The purpose of that inquiry is to determine if there is that link. Then you had Republican representative Byron Donalds, who said, uh, you know, that the first hearing was quote, to establish the predicate for going to get additional information that the committee needs to finish its investigation. Uh, Professor Turley said, in a sense, he, he needs to see more than what's been laid out, but that's the purpose of the inquiry. If we felt we had everything necessary for the articles of impeachment, we would have dropped articles of impeachment. So like, yeah, I mean, we don't have it, but I mean, we, we might have it eventually, right? This was just to have the, the other people give their opinions on it. They literally admitted this first hearing was just so we could hear from smart people, allegedly, about why they think we should do this. And they're like, yeah, y'all, you shouldn't do it. Wow. I could have given you that opinion. I'll be more than happy to come and testify at the impeachment inquiry hearings and give you my opinion, not just on why this is stupid, but on why every one of you is also stupid. So I'm sure y'all can find my name, number, address, you know, work address, whatever you need. If you want me to come and testify, because trust me, my opinions would be a hell of a lot better than those idiots you paraded in front of you on Thursday. I won't hold back and I can be available at a moment's notice. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced. <laughs>